The age-old story of Easter, a miraculous and triumphant story of death and resurrection, a story of the King of Kings and a prophecy fulfilled. Ordinary people encountered Jesus on his way to the cross and their lives were forever changed. But one encounter is yet to be explored. This Easter, join us as we celebrate the encounter. Thank you for joining us as we continue our series, Encounters, as we make our way towards Good Friday, the day that Jesus is crucified on the cross, and ultimately Easter Sunday morning, the day of his resurrection. Listen, here's the big idea of this series that we've been uh, following over the course of the last several weeks. It's simply this. Jesus' encounters can change how we see ourselves and how we understand our places, place in the world. However, these... Uh, incredible encounters that can take place and shift uh, how we see ourselves, as I've said, they do not always have to be dramatic. They don't have to be big, powerful events. Oftentimes, our encounters with God shows up in very quiet, soft ways. And sometimes we can be so busy looking for the dramatic, looking for the big, powerful experience that we miss how God is already engaging our lives in very quiet and soft ways. I want to share this story with you, which illustrates this point, and just offer a few insights as we move together uh, in this teaching. The Gospel of Luke chapter 18, Jesus is telling a story. Listen to what it says. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men, Jesus said, went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. Lord, thank you that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give you a tenth, a tithe of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even to lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh, God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you, the sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified. Everybody shout justified. Justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. There's the reading. All right, let me just point out a couple of things real quickly about this text. First of all, Jesus shares this story with those who are listening as he gets closer and closer to Jerusalem. This will be the final time that he will go to Jerusalem. Uh, It will be upon this Jerusalem arrival, where he will end up being falsely accused, ultimately crucified on Good Friday, and set up the context for his resurrection uh, on what we now call Resurrection Sunday. As a matter of fact, later in this chapter, in verse 31 and 32, uh, Jesus actually pulls his disciples to the side, and he shares with them exactly what's going to happen. He doesn't want them to be caught off guard. So he pulls him to the side and he says, listen, here's the deal. 
uh, you know, when we get to Jerusalem this time, everything that the prophets have said is going to happen to the Son of Man. It's all going to go down this occasion. Yeah, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be um, terribly abused. Ultimately, I'm going to die. But don't worry about it, he says. On the third day, the Son of Man will rise again. Then the text says, but they couldn't quite get it. But he kept alerting them ahead of time. So he's headed towards Jerusalem. In a real sense, as we work through this series, we're making our way towards Jerusalem with Jesus and praying along the way, Lord, we want a, we want a transformational encounter with you. So the first thing is just keep in mind that Jesus is headed to Jerusalem. The second thing that I want to lift is really uh, most times when we teach this text, we focus on this because it's the primary focus of the text, and it's captured in the audience that Jesus is talking to. Listen, uh, when it first starts off, it says this, Jesus told the story, told this story to, 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 to some folk who had great confidence in their own righteousness while, come on now, scorning or despising or looking down on others. So these are the people that we often refer to as self-righteous folk. We usually use that term sometimes as it relates to Christians, you know, self-righteous Christians. But, you know, this is not just an experience that we experience in the religious context, although we do experience it in the religious context for sure. Uh, this notion of self-righteousness is really captured in the Pharisee's prayer. Notice what he says in the prayer. He says, he says I thank you, God that I'm not like other people. And then he begins to list them off, the cheaters, the sinners, and the adulterers. I'm not like those folk. You see, that kind of phrase, and that kind of thinking, it's, just, it's not just found uh, in religious context. I mean, we, we've got spouses and significant others and partners who are saying this about the folk that uh, they are quote-unquote in love with. I'm, 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 I'm not like you, right? I'm more sensitive. I'm more loving. Uh, I, I'm more caring. I'm more thoughtful. I'm, I, I think, God, I'm not like you. We, we, we say this about, I think, God, I'm not like the folk on my job. I think, God, I'm not like those Democrats or those Republicans. I, I think, God, that my kids are not like those kids. We say this repeatedly, right? And when we use that phrasing, we end up in the same place as the Pharisee does, which is to suggest it kind of inoculates us. It shields us from God doing any real work on our lives because we actually think there's no work that needs to be done on our lives. Rather than suggesting, uh, God, I thank you that I'm not like those folk. I want to suggest that you ought to start talking like my grandmother used to talk. When she would see somebody in a different context, she would simply say, but for the grace of God, there goes I. Yeah. Yeah. In, in that statement, what my grandmother was saying is, if there's a difference between me and them or me and him or her, it is simply not my, my moral superiority. It is simply the grace of God. Or to put it another way, uh, one of the reasons why there's a difference between, between me and them, I've got a different story than they have. They have a different story than what I have. But for the grace of God, there goes I. 
Why don't you start practicing that as you, as you engage with folk who are uniquely different than you? The third element that I want to lift up real quickly here is really found in this notion of prayer. Can you say prayer? Yeah. This text, and it's easy to miss, is really about two guys praying. And actually, both of them teach us something pretty powerful about prayer. And I want to make sure you lean in and you get this. They both teach us, first of all, that prayer is simple. It's it's simple. Uh, And they both illustrate just how simple prayer is. Uh, Number one, uh, both of them pray short prayers. As a matter of fact, the shortest of the two prayers turns out to be the most effective. Number two, both of the prayers are prayed very conversational. There's no high kind of religious language connected here. Oftentimes when I'm counseling couples at the end of the counseling session, I'll encourage them to uh, uh, each, you know, we take turns with each one praying and and every one of them or sometimes both of them at different occasions will say, I don't really know how to pray. And I always say, what, do you know how to talk? Because <laughs> right? like, you know how to talk, you can pray. It's just being conversational. You know, the other, uh, I don't know, but a couple of years ago, I was out uh, walking and praying. Uh, I, I still try to get four to five miles of walking in two to three times a week. And oftentimes as I walk, I pray. And on this particular occasion, I, I was praying and, you know, I'm, I'm praying. And sometimes I get as, in, as uh, uh, excited uh, praying, walking as I, as I am talking to you today. And I was on this particular occasion, I was praying and I was actually praying about uh, the message. I always pray about the message. Lord, you know, thank you for giving me that scripture. Now, Lord, would you open it up? God, uh, show me the insight. God, show me, is there an analogy, an example that I can use? that's going to really help uh, put it where the people can uh, can engage with it. God, give me some sense of humor. I, 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 help, help the people. You know, all of this stuff. I'm praying, I'm praying. So on this particular time, I was walking and praying and walking and praying and walking and praying and got ready to cross the street and, and there was a little girl uh, holding her mama's hand and as I was crossing the street, the little girl said, look, mommy. And then the mommy grabbed the little girl and <laughs> Oh, yeah. I don't know about that one. That could be a strange one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. So, you know, now the lesson I learned, I just put my Apple earparts in. And so now I can, I can be animated. People say, oh, he's just, he's talking. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking to God. Amen. So prayer is conversational. Shout, conversational. Yes. He's just talking to God. I, I wish you can get this. Short conversational. This, this allows you to really do life with God. You're, you're in a boardroom meeting. And, and you're getting ready to make a presentation. You can just simply whisper, God, will you shape the, shape the atmosphere? God, would you grant me favor? Yeah, you're, you're, you're a plumber. You're trying to, you're working on a, on a pipe that it just, you just can't get it to, 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 to come loose the way you've been, the way it should come loose. And you can, as you, you can just pray, God, show me what I'm missing. Is it, the, is it the tool I'm using? Is it the force I'm applying? Is it, is it something I miss? Show me what I'm missing. You, you, you are a, you're, you're, you're a high school student and you're, 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 you're working through your, your science and you just can't figure your way through God. Illuminate, you said if anyone needs wisdom, let him ask of you and you will grant it. Just, 
Yeah, see, short prayers. You wake up in the morning, you walk outside, and the sun is a beautiful day. You just take a few moments and, and let your heart leap in praise of God. I just praise you. I thank you for this day. That's how you do life with God. Short conversational prayers keep you connected to God. The other thing I want to say about prayer, this is the heart of the message now. Prayer is the place of quiet encounters. Can you say quiet encounters? Yes. Prayer is a place of quiet encounters, and we actually see it here in this text. The tax collector, uh, he's the guy that we want to focus on. Because in his day, the tax collector was this, in, in his context, was just despised person, as he's described earlier in the text. He's despised because he's usually a Jewish person who has been hired by the Roman government to collect taxes from his Jewish brothers and sisters. Not only is he empowered to, ta- to collect the Roman taxes, but he's also authorized to add an additional um, tax on top of it. That's his fee. And oftentimes it is of such magnitude that these tax collectors become extremely wealthy while pushing their fellow brothers and sisters into poverty sometimes even into debt of prison. I don't know what happened in this guy's life. I, I don't know what it was, but, but, but maybe, maybe there was an incident where, where, where he pushed an entire family into debt of prison because they couldn't pay the taxes. And maybe through the night, he kept awakening, hearing the screams of those kids. I don't know what it was that, in a sense, woke him up, but something made him decide, I need to go to the temple. I need an encounter with God. He goes to the temple, we learn. And, 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 and he is so aware of his brokenness. He is so aware of, of all of the things that he has done wrong, of his personal sinfulness, that the text says that he stands at a distance. He dare, He won't even look up towards heaven. He won't even look towards heaven. Instead, he beats his chest. I had a friend of mine who says that this notion that we do in prayer, uh, particularly here in the Western world, we put our hands together in prayer. It, it, in some way, it's kind of connected to this, this story of him beating his chest. It's this notion of, of, of you know, because in, in, in Israel, people pray, they put their hands up. But, but, but when we do this, there's something we're saying about, about humility before God. He beats his chest in sorrow, the text says. And then a short, simple prayer. Lord, have mercy on me, for I am a sinner. And then the text explodes. Oh, there's no thunder, there's no lightning. As a matter of fact, the exploding of the text is quiet. It's soft. It's easily missed. The text says... This sinner, I, I, I love this notion because every, everyone who encounters him on the other side of this text would, would, would still see him as a tax collector and, 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 and would still relate to him as a sinner. And I, I, I like to say this sinner, he's not perfect, he's not flawless, but, 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 but something has taken place. Keep reading. This sinner, not the Pharisee, returns home and here is the place of encounter in the prayer, justified. Justify. And it's another word that means made right. That there was in that moment of prayer, God moved. 
He moved God's heart. God moved. There was an encounter. But the text doesn't say that. It doesn't even make us it doesn't even make it clear that the guy is aware that he's going home justified. That, that the encounter happens very softly, very quietly. But it happened. He went home justified. And we might presume from that that the trajectory of his life begun to shift out of that place of prayer. I want to share with you a quick story out of contemporary context of a similar event that happened for a member and a friend of ours here at New Beginnings. Matt Coleman is shown here in the picture. Uh, Matt Coleman grew up in, Matt grew up in Virginia with his parents, went to church every week. Early teenage years, 11, 12 years old, his parents Marriage ended in a terrible divorce. He stayed with his mom and kept going to church. Later, he would graduate uh, from the University of Virginia with a degree in chemistry and environmental science. He'd go ahead and earn a master's uh, degree in meteorology. And, and through a variety of turn of events, he would end up leading a you know, billion-dollar hedge funds uh, directed towards uh, engaging climate and the environment. He's been doing that for the last 10 years. But he shares his kind of God encounter moment. It, it, it looks very similar to what we just read a few moments ago. He said, look, he was in his early 30s and as, as, um, as, an, as a single, you know, man, well-resourced. He was kind of out there doing his own thing. He said, uh, you know, his mother was an avid Christian. He said he would often say to his mom, he said, look, mom, you know, you, you're such a good Christian. I'm going to make it to heaven on your coattails. And she would always say to him, uh-uh, son, mm -mm. you got to have your own relationship with Jesus. And so he shares that one weekend, he spent an entire weekend in Las Vegas, I guess, hanging out with his buddies and you know, doing all the things that you might imagine single guys doing, hanging out with the, the girls and the alcohol and all that stuff. He says the early wee hours of the morning, he, he awakened. He was just sitting there. Beautiful hotel rooms to oversee the city. And he had a revelation. And he, he said it was hard for him to describe, but he just, it just came to him that he could either continue on the path that he was going or he could live for something higher. He, he, could, he could continue to move in a way that was completely ignoring God's and God's will for his life without paying any attention to who he's hurting and who he's kind of leaving, uh, lying on the side as he went, as, you know, hanging out as a single guy. Oh, he could live for something greater. This was his uh, despised tax collector moment right here. This was his, 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 his moment. This was, this, was, this was Matt in that hotel room. Not in the, his temple was the hotel room. And barely can look up towards heaven. This was Matt essentially saying, saying, God have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Change the trajectory. I want to live for you. I want to live for something greater. 
When you talk to Matt, the, the lightning didn't flash outside, the room didn't flow. He, nothing necessarily shifted in his environment or even in his biology. No, nothing particularly that he, he experienced. Last week we talked about Christina. She felt this explosion of love in her, her life. He doesn't describe that. It, it was as though nothing took place. And yet everything took place. As he shares his story, goes on. He says about a week or two later, he, he meets this young lady, falls madly in love with her, Christina. On their third date, she brings him to church, MBCC. Within months, they are preparing to get married, going through premarital uh, counseling, and each of them made the decision and the commitment as much as they loved each other, their greater commitment would be to God. And he talks about that was his commitment. And now... As he has allowed Jesus to be Lord of his life, he has totally witnessed a total transformation. He's a fabulous father of two beautiful kids, married to a brilliant wife, Christina. And, and is he perfect? No. Is he flawless? No. But his trajectory has changed. It, 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 it is to say that in that hotel room, as he, as he prayed to God, that, that he exited that hotel room, watch this, justified before God with his, with his trajectory already being shifted. But it was soft. It was quiet. could have been missed had he not. Now he says when he looks back over his life, he sees the hand of God. He sees moments of God's encountering his life all the way through, including even in his career. You know the key to praying a prayer uh, that, uh, that, that facilitates what I call quiet encounters? It's, it, it, it is simply to do what both Matt and the tax collector both did. It is to pray a prayer first out of a place of honesty. Both of them in their own way were, were, was aware of, of, of the brokenness of their lives, was aware of the things that they were getting wrong, was aware of, of how, how they, they needed to change and they needed to live for something greater. Both of them were. And then humility. Humility is the ability to acknowledge it's me, it's me, oh Lord. I'm in the need of prayer. It's the ability to ask for help. It's the recognition that God, if you don't help me, I can't make it. They both illustrate. Listen, if you pray to God with honesty and with humility, oh, I promise you, each and every one of those moments of prayers, you are experiencing God encounters. <laughs> I, like, I like what the, I like what the uh, you know, as Jesus tells the story, as Jesus tells the story, he describes it from the perspective that clearly God heard both prayers. He heard the Pharisee prayer and he heard the tax collector prayer. And for somebody uh, who's listening to me, I just want you to know, that, that even though God may not be moving or responding the way you think God should be moving, responding, I want you to get this word before we end this message, that God is, he, God is listening, that God has heard your prayer, that when God listens to your prayer, he's not just listening with his ears, he's listening with his whole heart. He, he hears you. He hears you. But it is the tax collector that goes away with that 
transformational quiet encounter because he comes at God short conversational prayer honest and humble and whenever you find those characteristics in the prayer high schoolers whenever you find those characteristics in your prayer I promise you you've had a God encounter where you sense it or not. <laughs> you know, one of my, my favorite uh, stories is found in 2 Kings chapter 6. Uh, Elisha is the prophet, and he's been exposing the, you know, every time the enemy king comes against Israel, uh, the Lord tells Elijah, and Elijah tells uh, Israel king, and they outmaneuver, they outmaneuver. So finally, the Syrian king gets so upset, he, he puts out a contract on Elisha, and he sends a whole host of army, and they surround, actually not just the house, the town that Elisha is in, they surround him. Elisha's servant comes out on the porch, and he looks, and he sees these, these, these chariots all around, the, the might of the Syrian army, some foolish surrounded. He cries to, his, to, his, uh, to Elisha, who he's working for, and he says, oh, my master, he calls him, he says, we're surrounded. Elisha doesn't get shook, right? Because he's been praying. He just simply says to the Lord, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And suddenly the servant, the young man's eyes open. And yes, he sees the Syrian army that has them surrounded. But now he can see uh, uh, thousands of, of chariots that got them, that has the Syrian army surrounded uh, with flaming fires. He said, this is God's army that has surrounded the Syrian army. I love this text. Come on now. Uh, 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 you may feel like the enemy has you surrounded, but I just want to tell you, my good people, God's got the enemy surrounded. Praise God. But the key I want to get to is this notion of, of, of Elijah said, open his eyes. You know, Matt doesn't describe it. It doesn't have really words to describe exactly what happened in that hotel room that, that, that got him to, except for there was a revelation. There was a moment when his eyes came open and he saw he was, that, he, that there was two roads uh, divided in the midst of, the, of, 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 of two roads in, in a field divided, as Robert Force would say. And he had to decide which one he was going to take. We, we don't know what, what, what happened, what got the tax collector into the temple, but, but we know that something happened that his eyes was open that drove him into a place of prayer. With open eyes, honest and humble, posture of heart. They both had soft, quiet encounters with God that changed how they saw themselves and their trajectory in the world. Now, I'm finished now. I, uh, I want to encourage you to come back. I know some of you, when you think about prayer, you think about all the prayers that God didn't answer, and some of you are upset with God because he didn't answer. You say, I don't want to have an encounter with him because, you know, I don't understand how come God didn't answer or is not answering a particular prayer. I'm going to take that up next week, our final, as we get ready to kind of move towards Good Friday. You don't want to miss next week, but I just want to end this, this passage as I think about the tax collector, I love this, 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 the, the, how it ends. It says, this, 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 this sinner, he's not perfect, he's not, he's not flawless, come on. Yeah, but, but this sinner went away 
uh, having cried out, he went away. He went away justified, made right with God. I, I think about Matt. I think about Matt. Those words apply to him in that, in that hotel room. And, and we could say about Matt, this sinner, come on, he's not perfect. He's not flawless. But this sinner uh, 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 went away justified, made right in God's eyes. And I, I, I think about the, 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 the great hymn of the church uh, where these words are, I was seeking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. But then the master of the sea heard my despairing cry and love lifted me. You know, so many people, and I just want to say this, and I'm finished. So many people say, I can't talk to God because I'm in the midst of sin and this and that. It was not the sin that messed up the Pharisee. It was, it was the posture of his heart. The tax collector was a sinner. Last week, I talked to you about Christina, who she was in the middle of a nightclub in, at 9 a.m. in the morning, strung out, but, but, the, but the voice of God spoke to her. It is not that we are sinners that are, that, that is the problem. Come on now. It is, do we have the heart posture of humble, honest repentance that says, God, I want to be better. I want to do better. I want to be all you want me to be. And I can't be perfect tomorrow, but I want to be faithful tomorrow. Oh, I say, that's all God is looking for. And the words of this great hymn becomes your word. <laughs> I was seeking deep in sin. That's my testimony. Far from the peaceful show. But then the master of the seas heard my despair and cry. And you know what? Love. We'll talk about that on Easter Sunday. Love lifted me. And that love wants to lift you. God, help us to come to you, not in complicated prayers, but with simple honesty and humility, just to talk to you. Would you dare open our eyes that we might see and experience you afresh? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, listen, scan the QR code right here on the screen. It's going to take you to our next steps with Jesus on our connection card. And there, you're going to have some choices that you can make in this very moment. One is you can decide to be a Jesus follower right now. Or you can decide in this moment to return to your faith and reconnect with the church. Or you can simply indicate you want more information. There's another tab there that you can select that says, please reach out to me. We'll be glad to reach out to you and help you to think through these next steps. Or if you've made a decision, uh, help you to figure out what's next. And then as it relates to the message response, it's simply a prayer. I told you that prayer uh, is short and conversational. Here's a short conversational prayer. I want to encourage you to pray over the course of this week. Lord, open my eyes to see and experience you. Pray it on the bus. Pray it at work. Pray it when you're walking through uh, home. Pray this prayer. And then here's a reflection question I want you to use to kind of process this message. What does the pattern of God's grace look like in my life? Where do I see God's footprints across the breadth and length of my life?